When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome back to Sports Day and it is motorsport time. Formula One journalist is Michael Laminato and he joins us here on the program. Welcome, Michael. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're going really well. Now, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, where is he going to end up? What's the latest? Is he done and dusted for 2023? Uh, he, well, yes, he is for a race seat. Get to get straight down to business, absolutely. There are no race seats available to him unless something really absolutely shocking happens in the driver market. But what, of course, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks is that he does seem to be, and he's becoming more open about talking about this, Seem to be open to a reserve drive at one of the top teams, of course, because if you don't want to race for one of the midfield teams, you're probably not going to want to sit on the sidelines as a reserve driver for them. And the question is now, which one of those teams he'll end up with? The hot tip remains Mercedes. It is of a, I don't want to say an illogical situation to begin with becoming a reserve driver, but of not an ideal situation. That is the least not ideal among them because it is a front runner. They're probably going to be back to the front next year. And it is the only one of the top three that has a contract up for renewal at the end of the next year, that being Lewis Hamilton. Even if he says he wants to continue well, it is an opening. There has been a rumor in the last week that it could be Red Bull, his old team that he chose to leave because he didn't feel like there was any place for any other driver other than Max Verstappen there. That still seems quite unlikely, but I do wonder whether that is part of maybe negotiation processes about what's going to happen next. I think the bottom line is it's really up for him to go out and seek what it is exactly that he wants. Because I think the fundamental, not as a problem, but the fundamental thing to overcome here is just ensuring he knows what he wants to get out of next year. Because, of course, it wasn't top of his list to be out of Formula One. Now it's up to him to figure out what he wants to do next. Yeah, finishing 16th at the US Grand Prix. He was quite emotional in the interview post-race, and it's been an ordinary uh, time at McLaren for him. So hopefully he finds uh, some solace and a a nice place to to correct his career in 2023. Max Verstappen, mind you, won his 13th race of the season uh, over there at the US, which was an outstanding performance from him. It was, and that equals the record for most wins in a season, jointly held at the moment by Sebastian Vettel and Michael Schumacher, and now Max Verstappen, and with three races to go, you'd think he's probably pretty good odds to break that record. Suddenly, it looks like an extremely dominant season, doesn't it, after a more competitive first half of the year. And to be fair, we've had some great races, including this weekend's in the U.S. Grand Prix, where even though, yes, he won again, uh, he really had to go out and get it, partly because of mistakes from his own uh, pit crew, there was a wheel gun failure that dropped him from first to third, had to do some taking, imagine that, to win the race. Uh, but also because Mercedes was just competitive enough to go out there and try to punish Red Bull for those mistakes. One of the few times this year they have been quick enough, and that is sort of part of the story. Of course, the big story was Red Bull winning the Constructors title, their first since 2013, but the other is that maybe they won't have things 
all their own way next year. Because if you look at just the results as they are, well, you might be worried and thinking that next year is going to be a very straightforward, dominant season for Red Bull. But Mercedes suddenly feels really confident that they figured out what's wrong with their car and they won't make the same mistake again next year. And if that's the case, then we could be diving straight back into what we left off last year, the Red Bull versus Mercedes battle, maybe with Ferrari in there as well. So I guess the advice probably to Red Bull and Max Verstappen is to really soak this one up. Of course, they've got cost cap uh, troubles possibly on the horizon as well, because it may not last quite in this format anyway, forever. Michael, just on that Red Bull Constructors' Championship victory, is it purely a financial windfall for them? Are there other elements that you can tell us might be beneficial to them moving forward? Uh, The only other beneficial aspect of of winning the Constructors' standing in position in the pit lane, you tend to get what is sort of judged whether it be the better end, whether it be the start or the end. Weirdly enough, it's actually otherwise, I mean, obviously you want to win the championship. It's actually otherwise detrimental because not only do you have to pay more to enter the championship based on how many points you score, but you also, kind of like the draft in the AFL, you get less wind tunnel time the higher up Mm. in the championship you finish. So they actually are going to be working with a little bit less than everyone else next year as a result of winning the championship. But, of course, that is the point at the end of the day. And I guess I think he is, of course, if you win the championship, you're probably on a little bit of a roll anyway, and you maybe don't need that extra wind tunnel time. But otherwise, that does just mean they have to work a little bit harder next year. The FIA have banned that dual race control or race director set up after that Japanese debacle. Good move? I think it is a necessary move. Partly it's because, I mean, even to begin with, they're lacking experience in race control. It's been pretty controversial for a lot of the year. A lot of drivers have been hitting out in quite a big way against some of the decisions made by race control and the stewards as well. And that's partly because there's just a lack of experience in the race directorship at the moment. Now, that's because, of course, they sacked Michael Massey over the off-season and he himself had only been in the role for a few years. The two guys they've replaced him with, and they replaced him with two people because they found the reason Michael Massey made the mistake in Abu Dhabi was because he was so badly overworked. So they replaced him with two, but neither of them had ever worked in Formula One before. And as a result, we've had this situation where a lot of penalties have felt a little bit uh, inconsistent and a little bit chaotic at times. And it sort of culminated in what we saw in Japan. We had that truck on track during those terrible wet conditions and drivers couldn't even see. It was really quite a dangerous situation. So as a result, they've decided to simplify it back again, essentially to the way it was, ahead of other changes next year. But there's always something to complain about in Formula 1 when it comes to regulations and the stewarding and, of course, race control. So whether or not it absolutely satisfies the drivers is another question. But I think it was a move they were inevitably going to make, and they have made it now. Michael, uh, we talked about Red Bull, and the win comes, I suppose, bittersweet and a lot of sadness around the team uh, after owner Dietrich Meitschitz died uh, only, what, a day or two beforehand. Yeah, he died. I think it was on uh, qualifying day, so a bit of a shock, unfortunately, for everyone to wake up to and cope with there because he is one of the, or has been one of the quietly influential people in Formula One. You extremely rarely see him. He'd really only turn up to his home Austrian Grand Prix, the track he owns, one of the many things he has achieved in Formula One. And occasionally at the odd other race, never really gave interviews, but owned two Formula One teams, has sponsored countless athletes, not just in motorsport. I mean, you could pick almost any sport and you'll be able to find a a Red Bull-backed athlete, particularly if it's an extreme sport or sport which you have to go very quickly. Uh, He's backed two world champions in Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, a bunch of race winners, Daniel Ricciardo, Carlos Sainz, uh, among so many other drivers who have made their way through Formula One. And as a result of that investment, he's often actually had a 
a bit of a hand in directing the way the sport's gone. You know, Red Bull's had, I don't want to say preferential treatment because that makes it sound underhanded, but often been dealt with pretty well by the Formula One organization over the years, partly because Dietrich's invested so much in the sport and also did it really the right way. You know, it's not unusual for, let's say, really rich people to rock up in Formula One and think they're going to be able to to run the show. I think that's going to be a big test, for example, at Aston Martin, where Lawrence Stroll sometimes feels like he's a little bit too hands-on. But Dietrich Mateschitz loved motorsport, but recognised it wasn't his thing. Put people in, in charge to make all the right decisions. Christian Horn has been a team principal at Red Bull for ages. He's got kind of his right man, right-hand man, Helmut Marko, runs the driver side of things. And they've been allowed to put in place what's an extremely successful team. Really, it's only existed since the early 2000s. There's already won uh, well, five constructors' championships now, and seven drivers team or six drivers championships i should say it's incredibly successful so that alone is his legacy it's a weirdly quiet legacy but one that's certainly not going to be forgotten uh and lastly mate before we let you go uh, jack doing could get his first spin in a modern f1 machinery this weekend some practice at mexico that is being reported yes alpine has only two why well, i have they have to have two rookie practice sessions before the end of the year there are only three rounds left and no one's going to do it in brazil because it's a sprint round you only get one practice session rather essentially than the, the usual three they've got to use them we've got mexico coming up this weekend Abu Dhabi at the end of the year and jack doing is the most senior alpine junior at the moment of course because oscar piastri well he is technically still there but no, well, no one wants to talk to him i suppose he's going to mclaren and it's a great sign for jack because he's really done quite well in F2 this year. He's sort of been a little bit of a quiet achiever. Next year, Alpine really wants to push him to try and win the championship. He could finish as high as third this year. He's currently fourth. It's not a massive leap, but it will really be on him to achieve that. And if he does win it, he can't compete in F2 again. And that kind of obviously also suggests he should be in Formula One. And then it'll be up to Alpine, of course, to find him a seat, something they haven't historically been all that good at with their junior drivers. But nonetheless, it is a great moment where we might be on the cusp of having more than one Australian in Formula One. None would just be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be, Michael. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91